0: Right, M12, how are you guys tonight? Awesome. This is a great crowd, guys. Y'all are awesome. If you can't tell, my voice is a little different than it normally is. But hang with me. We're going to have a great night. Okay, so superheroes. We all love superheroes, right? I mean, raise your hand if you are in to DC Comics. All right, DC Comics may be your thing, Maybe it's Batman. We got any Batman fans in the room? Nice. Nice. So we got Batman. Uh, How about Superman? Any Superman fans in the room? All right. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. And then we've also got Marvel. Uh, Are there any Superman fans in the room? Superman, anybody? See, guys, we all love superheroes. Superheroes. In fact, maybe you're here tonight and maybe it's not DC. Maybe it's not Marvel. Maybe your idea of a superhero looks more like a Disney character. Maybe for some of you it's like a Disney princess. I don't know. But but here's the thing. We all love heroes. In fact, guys, I think that there's something in all of us. That loves the idea of somebody, maybe even us, coming into a really bad situation and kind of saving the day. We all love heroes. And one of the cool things about the Bible, guys, is that the Bible is full of godly people who do heroic things. Ordinary people who step into some really uh, rough situations and really change things, do heroic things. And over the next three weeks, guys, we're going to look at the life and story of Noah in the Bible. Now, I assume many of you have at least heard the story of Noah. I know for me, uh, I heard Noah at kind of a young age. But uh, you may be familiar with Noah. Noah's the guy that, you know, God came to and said, uh, so Noah, you need to build this giant boat because it's going to, like, rain for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. And you need to build this boat so you can put your family on it and put two of every kind of animal. And so that's, that's Noah. I don't know about you, but when I first uh, heard of Noah, it was that, this thing called Sunday school. I, I don't know about you, but Sunday school at my church growing up was uh, th- this kind of thing we did before the Sunday service. And I remember uh, our teacher pulled out this old school felt board. In fact, I think we've actually got a picture of it right here. Some of you remember these things, Right? Like, there's some people right in the middle, they know what I'm talking about. So um, for me, guys, uh, they brought this spellboard in, and you can see there, there's, uh, there's Noah. He's the guy with the big white beard. There's the boat. There's some animals and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and this is how I first learned about Noah. And guys, we often tell Noah as a children's story. But here's the thing. There's a lot more to the story than we often learn as children. In fact, guys, the, the Bible says that uh, the, the reason that flood happened, the reason that Noah had to build that boat, is because uh, the world was so corrupt at that time that God wanted to start fresh. He wanted to wipe things out and start and start new. And see, uh, with Noah, Noah was the person that God was going to use to be a hero in that moment. And here's the thing, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I watch a movie or even watch a a movie about superheroes, I love to jump right into the, kind of like the highlight of the movie. I don't know if there's anybody in the room with me, but I like to, to jump often like just right into the climax of the movie, right where things get good, you know? But here's the thing, is that whenever we do that, oftentimes, guys, we miss what even made that superhero great in the first place. Like, uh, if you like Batman, before Batman, you know, saves Gotham City a thousand times, he had to go through some struggles in his family. Or maybe if you're into Spider-Man, you know, before he started shooting webs out of his hands and and climbing walls, he lost his uncle. And and so uh, all these superheroes, before they did amazing things, they had to go through some tough things. And for Noah, it was the exact same way. Guys, before God asked Noah to build the ark, God asked Noah to follow him way before the flood even occurred. Way before the flood even occurred. And you have to imagine that for Noah, this was a little bit difficult, and it was probably a little bit awkward too, right? Like, raise your hand if you've ever had a really awkward moment. (laughs) Yes. And see That's the great thing about middle school ministry is like we've all experienced really awkward things, right? In fact, when I think of awkward, I think back to a story that happened a few years ago. I've got a little nephew. He's about four years old now. And I remember one day my sister-in-law sent me and my family uh, this picture of uh, of what they thought was going to be just a perfect Easter picture. And so, of course, my sister-in-law and my brother, they had, like, big smiles on. But this is what happened with my nephew. Guys, you can go ahead and put that picture up. (laughs) Isn't that hysterical? Like, they thought they were all ready to go. They count down from three. And then right at three, my nephew just, like, did that, right? Like, whatever that is. And so that was kind of an awkward moment. But here's the thing, guys, with Noah, it wasn't a a funny family picture, or it wasn't like he wore something silly or awkward, but for him, it was that he was the only one that was following God, and that made it, for him, really difficult and maybe even awkward. In M12, I don't know about you, but I know for me, oftentimes, I feel like Noah felt. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand or say anything out loud. But maybe think in your mind, how many of you have experienced a time in your life where you felt awkward or you felt different because you were the only one following God? I mean, I can just think back to when I was in middle school. I remember I was on this basketball team, and and, and even though it was a kind of good group of guys, I remember that when we would get in the locker room, I remember almost every time, the conversation would always turn into, into something bad. And I remember sitting in the locker room and just feeling uh, so torn. Or may, maybe you're a girl, and, and you hang out with a, a certain group of people. And whenever you hang around them, maybe you recognize that, that you start to gossip about other girls. But you're a Christian, and so you feel this tension. And that's the same thing that Noah felt. Noah felt torn, and imagine this too, the Bible is clear that, that when God had told Noah these things, that it had never rained on earth yet, so like, just picture this with me, uh, God comes to Noah and says, hey, uh, you need to build a boat, uh, because the world's gonna flood, (laughs) like, imagine what Noah was thinking, you know, maybe he's sitting there and he's thinking, well, that's, that's interesting, uh. So how exactly is the world going to flood? And maybe God's response was, well, I'm going to make water fall from the sky. (laughs) I mean, it must have been really weird for him in that moment, but Noah believed God. But it gets more weird for him. I mean, imagine if you were Noah's neighbor. (laughs) I mean, like, imagine going home tonight and your neighbor is out there building a boat made of wood. (laughs) Like, how would that conversation go? Uh, you know, hey, neighbor, uh, what you building? Uh, I'm building a boat. Oh, sweet, like to go fishing? Oh, no, uh, stuff's going to fall from the sky and flood the earth and kind of wipe everybody out. Like, it was It was really difficult for Noah. It was really difficult for Noah. And so tonight what I want us to do is I want us to dig a little bit below the surface of this story. See, I want us to look at what happened with Noah before the flood occurred. Before the flood occurred. So let's go ahead and uh, grab your Bibles. And we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 5. And this is page 6 in your Bibles. Page 6 in your Bibles. We'll go ahead and put it up on the screen, and we'll get started. It says this, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time, all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. It was deeply troubled. And so here in verse 7, God's going to make a decision. God says this, uh, so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that i have created and with them the animals the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for i regret that i have made them like are, are you getting the picture here this is not a great scene that's unfolding like if you know your bible well you know that in just a few days that God created uh, the, the, the earth, he created all the animals, he created outer space, sun, moon, stars, and whenever he did that, he said that it was all good, that it was all good. And then uh, to, to kind of top off all his creation, the Bible says that he created man and woman, and, and he said to that, do you know what he said? That it was very good. Out of all the things that God made, when God made you and when God made me, he said that it was very good. But if you know the story, Adam and Eve in the garden decided to sin against God. And and for all of us, even up to today, that puts our relationship with God, it it breaks it. It breaks it. And so uh, here in verse 8. We're going to pick up on Noah. So let's put it on the screen. Verse 8 says this, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See, in the midst of all this wickedness, in the midst of all the the bad stuff that was happening on earth, Noah found favor with God. And, And what this verse means, guys, this verse means is that Noah found favor because he obeyed God. That that no matter what everybody else was doing, Noah followed God even when it wasn't easy. Noah was was a hero in this matter. In fact, uh, if you're a note taker, you're probably itching at this time because we haven't hit any notes. So let's go ahead and look at the bottom line for tonight. The bottom line for the night is this. Stand for what you believe in, even if you're standing alone. I'll say it one more time. Stand for what you believe in even if you're standing alone. Now, now, as we talk about this a little bit more, guys, I, I would like to tell you a story. Uh, I know this is seventh and eighth grade, but I remember back when I was in, in sixth grade. Uh, my family had just moved to, uh, to a new city, and so new kid on the block, of course, I'm trying to make some new friends, and my uh, family had just joined a, a new church there in town, and and so I remember I had met two guys. Their names uh, were Daniel and Taylor. And, and I, I kind of befriended these guys. I, I realized that they were kind of athletic and, you know, they, they lived in nicer homes and they, they wore the brands that were cool. And, and I chose my friends based on those qualities. And I remember we had signed up for, for this church trip, right? And so we go on this church trip. Me and Daniel and Taylor are hanging out. And then I remember one night, I remember it very clearly. Me, Daniel, and Taylor all got together, and one of them said this. Guys, we should pull a prank on somebody tonight. And I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is a bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. But I really wanted to make friends. And so this is what Daniel said. He contrived this, like, terrible joke. Now, he was like, let's get up in the middle of the night, and we will uh, open up all of our uh, guy friends' suitcases. We'll take out all their socks, and we'll put them in this giant container, put water in it, and then literally stick it in the freezer. And we will freeze all their socks. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is not good. Like, nothing good is going to come of this. But once again, I really wanted to make friends, and so night comes, I'm laying there in bed, and I'm thinking, like, it's about to go, it's about to go down, right? I'm laying on my bed thinking, this is not good, this is not smart, why am I doing this? But once again, I wanted to make friends. And so uh, that time comes, us three wake up, and we follow through with it. It was terrible, I felt so bad, and then, of course, the morning comes, and it's time to get ready to go do some, like, really great work in the community, tell people about Jesus. But these guys start to put their shoes on, and they realize they don't have any socks. And they were like, hey, has anybody seen my socks? And I'm over here, like, sweating, thinking, uh, uh I went and got a Popsicle, and they're in the freezer, right? Um, so all that to say... It, of course, got back to the youth pastor, and and I ended up, me uh, along with uh, Taylor and Daniel, we ended up getting sent home. And, and of course, this whole time, part of the story that I haven't told you is my dad was the pastor of the church, and and so it was just bad. Like, you can imagine my experience when I walked into the house, and my dad was like, why are you home? And I was like, "Uh, you may want to take a seat. Um, It was not good. But here's the thing, M12. Is that at that moment, I did not have the strength or the confidence to stand up for what I knew is right. See, that whole time, the whole time I knew that I should have never picked friends based on uh, whether they were athletic or not. I knew that I should have never picked friends on uh, what brand of clothes they wore. And eventually it got me in a mess. Eventually it got me in a mess, and so maybe it's self free to to think of it this way, maybe think back to when you were in kindergarten, and and like in kindergarten, what's the worst thing that could ever happen, like maybe somebody take your crayons, maybe if you're a guy, there's like another kindergartner, and he's like, I bet I can fit more goldfish in my mouth than you, like that's kind of a bad day, right, so in, in kindergarten, the worst thing that can happen to you is maybe Those things. But now that you're a little bit older, now now that you're in middle school, uh, you have to decide who you are. You have to decide what you're going to do, what your decisions are going to be. You're going to have to decide, when I go to school, am I going to cheat on tests or am I going to follow God or not? See, these are the decisions that Noah was faced with. These are the decisions that Noah had to figure out what he would do. And whether you're in seventh grade or whether you're in eighth grade, whether you're a girl, whether you're a guy, these are the decisions that you must make. These are the decisions, uh, decisions that you must make. And so uh, we're going to answer this question. How did Noah stand up for God? How did he do it? Well, verse nine's going to tell us. Let's put verse 9 on the screen and, and let's, let's read it. It says this, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people uh, of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God. In fact, if you're taking notes, uh, you've got three blanks there, and the first one is righteous. See, Noah was righteous. And and I want to tell you what this means. For Noah, being righteous meant... That before the temptation ever came, that Noah had a plan. He had planned ahead of time that he would not give in to what he knew he shouldn't. Noah was righteous. So, M12, maybe for you tonight, when it comes to figuring out whether you're going to give in to things you shouldn't, whether you're going, guys, to join in with those jokes that happen in the locker room, girls, whether you're going to give in and pick on that girl that you know you shouldn't, whether you're sitting in your science class and, and your friend beside, beside you tries to uh, get you to cheat on the test, you must decide ahead of time what you are going to do. Number two, Noah was not only righteous, but he was blameless. This meant with Noah that, that uh, he couldn't really be blamed for much. Why? Because when Noah, uh, w- when Noah was tempted with sin, he, like, simply left. Like, bad things would happen, and Noah would be like, uh, yeah, I'm out. All right? And so maybe for you, when it comes to avoiding temptation or avoiding sin, maybe you just really need to dip out. Uh, maybe for you, you go to a party. And people have been maybe talking about it at school. And you know that once certain people leave the party, that some things are going to go down that you shouldn't be around for. Or maybe it's the, the, the basketball game or the football game at school. And maybe you know that when you hang around those friends, you know what you're going to get yourself into. And maybe like Noah, you need to decide, I'm going to be blameless and I'm not even going to be in the same room as that temptation or maybe it's like this maybe you need to be faithful that's number three on your blanks now I want us to camp out here for a moment see with with Noah I don't know what his walk with God looked like but I do know this I do know this Uh, when we walk with God in private when we walk with God in private it helps us in public What I mean by this is if you get your alone time with God, if you pray, and if you read the Bible, God is going to start to grow in you. He's going to start to cultivate in you a godly character, and that is going to help you be more faithful to God. See, uh, a lot of us, we'll, we'll go to, to camps like DIG or, or NTS that we're doing, uh, doing sign-ups for. We'll go to these kind of things. And, and while we're there, we're like on fire for God. But, but then a lot of us come back here, and, and it's as if we never had that experience of following God at camp. And, and here's the thing. Don't miss this. The reason why is because when we come back from those things, oftentimes... We stop walking with God. We are faithless when it comes or we are, are not faithful to God once we come back from stuff like camp so so uh, b- before we wrap up, you remember my story about my my friends in in our ridiculous prank? Uh, I remember a, a few days after that church event had ended. I remember. Uh, me, Taylor, and Daniel—we we, we kind of met up together at uh, one of one of their houses, and, and us three got together, and we had this this really interesting moment where uh, it, it's as if we all sat across from each other, and and it's like we looked each other in the eye, and we said to each other, "That was one of the dumbest things that we could ever do," and, and not only that. But in that action, we were not faithful to God, and we told each other that. But but more so, we looked at each other, us three, and we said, not only are we going to never do something like that again, I promise, you promise, Daniel promised to hold each other accountable and live for God. And so here's what we did. Uh, Us three were on the same basketball team at the time. And and so we would go into our basketball team, and and then we would start to uh, develop friendships with these guys on our basketball team so that we could invite them to church. And so this was so cool. Uh, One by one, these teammates would start coming to church. And then I remember uh, one got saved, and all three of us looked at each other and thought, That was really cool. And then that person invited another guy on the basketball team, and he got saved. And one by one, before you know it, our whole basketball team was at our church worshiping God. All of them became Christians, but it didn't stop there. We got our basketball team together. And we said, guys, uh, God is doing this really awesome thing. What if it didn't stop with our basketball team? What if we, like, took this to the rest of our school? What if we did more with this than what God is already doing? And so uh, we took it beyond our basketball team, man. We went to people in our grade at our own school, and we acted like Jesus to them. We invited them to church. And sure enough, one by one, one by one, students in our grade started getting saved. Jesus started to do this really amazing work. And here's the amazing thing, M12, is that even though me, Daniel, and Taylor were not faithful to God, God was still faithful with us. Even though we were unfaithful to God, God was faithful to us. And even in our faithlessness to God, God gave us a second chance. We got on fire for God. And God changed our basketball team and he changed our school. And so as we close tonight, my challenge for you is to think through these three qualities that Noah possessed. To think through these three and figure out which one is lacking most in your life. Maybe it's righteous, righteousness. Maybe whenever you go into situations, you have no plan of whether or not you're, you're, you're going to not sin. For you, maybe it's blameless. Maybe you need to, to decide to not hang around that group of guys, that group of girls, And that can be at school. That can be when you get here at M12. No matter where it is, maybe you need to decide that you are just going to leave that bad situation. Or maybe tonight, for you, the thing that you lack the most is faithfulness to God. Because do not forget this, M12, that when you spend time with God in private, it will help you so much in public. M12, what quality do you need to work on tonight? God is ready to move in your life. And just like he did in mine, he's ready to work on your teams, in your band, wherever you're at, even in your school. He will do it. He wants to. But it's got to start with us.